Chris, you know what I hate? What? I haven't been able to go on vacation. I haven't left the house. So I've been on my social media and I'm seeing all these pictures from like the past come up. And I realized, oh my God, I look tired. Like there's wrinkles under my eyes. I've got bags under my eyes. Uh huh. Those crow's want... feet. I know. Oh, I like my laugh lines. So I'll leave those. But the bags under my eyes, Ugh. no Magusta. No. Nuh-uh. No. And as the pandemic, hopefully we get this fixed and we can leave the house again. I'd look like to look a little better from a public. From a public. That's why I got Plexiderm. Now, Plexiderm is a clinically studied serum that visibly eliminates your wrinkles, crow's feet, and under eye bags, all in the comfort of your home, which is great because we still can't leave it. That's right. Plexiderm goes on clear and lasts for hours, so nobody's going to know you're wearing it. it. I really do love this. It works in minutes. You can look just 10 years younger in minutes. The results will blow you away. So get Plexiderm and love how you look and feel this summer and in this fall in this winter and you know what even when you have that mask on it's your eyes that are smizing we're smizing at people (laughs) and you want to have you want to make sure your eyes look young 10 years younger while we smize at people (laughs) so go to try go to triplexiderm.com and use my code voices for half off of a full-size bottle of plexiderm plus you're going to get additional ten dollars off or you can try 1495 trial pack which i actually love today by calling 1-800-685-1292 and just mention code voices Again, visit triplexiderm.com and use code VOICES for a half off a full-size bottle plus an additional $10 off. Or you can try the $14.95 trial pack, whatever you would like. Just go in now and use code VOICES and get some Plexiderm. Go do it. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Standing up and speaking out, here's Hal Sparks. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to the show. You know, it. Uh, you know, there was a debate this week. I don't know if uh, in the in the bum rush of news that goes on. Um, and by the way, uh, Johnny Million is not with us uh, this week. He will be back next week. For those of you that have been asking, we miss him sorely, but he's uh, handling house and family things, and as we all are. Um, but in the uh, bum rush of news that we are constantly dealing with. <clears throat> The, uh, you know, I think the president's tweets alone, both, uh, well, I was about to say serve as, but that's actually, quite frankly, what he actually does with them. I think we're, we're, what we saw in the debate was a live reading of, or a live performance of Donald Trump tweeting. Effectively, that's what the entire purpose of the debate was, was to confront Joe Biden in person with things that he tweets. Now, the president in the last two weeks, the president of the United States has tweeted in the last couple of weeks um, multiple times that the reason we have more cases of COVID in the country is because of all the testing we do, which, of course, is absurd because you find cases that exist through testing. You do not create cases by testing. And and this person who thinks the president of the United States, who thinks that by finding more cases, you create more cases. And therefore, if you stop looking, you wouldn't be there uh, as if um, I don't know if his parents sat him down and said, Donald, it's time we talk to you about the birds and the bees. And uh, quite frankly, um, are there any questions you have? Uh, where do babies come from? Um, from pregnancy tests. Meanwhile, while he thinks that the tests are, are causing the number of cases instead of making us aware of the actual spread of the disease. And again, if this was a situation where the disease was like Ebola, for example, where the person has to be um, blatantly symptomatic and bleeding physically in your presence um, and get a, 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 a visible of volume of that on them. If that's, if that's why, you know, if that's, if that's how you caught this disease, then the asymptomatic spread or the broad spread of the disease through the rest of society wouldn't matter as much. Tracking and tracing is, is awfully easy in that circumstance. But with a disease like this, it is incredibly important that you test because you d- you do not know in the 80 20 percent uh percentage race of this disease 
who, when they get the disease, will fall into the 80% milder asymptomatic and uh, or into the 20% of, of falling very ill, needing medical assistance to survive um, or ultimately dying. That 20% of that 20%, um, 85% of the people in there will require um, medical intervention to the level of an ICU and 15% will die in short order. That's a, it's an extraordinary death rate compared to the flu, which in the same kind of math, you're talking about uh, 1% of that 20% in full. Um, now, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm going, I know I'm going to be uh, confusing Trump with these listening. So if you want to rewind that and have someone um, write it out in Adderall for you, you can. The, the other part of it, while the president is the president of the United States, has been tweeting that we have too many cases because we look too hard and we test too much and that the tests don't find the cases, they create the cases. This this ongoing refrain that he seems to have a hard time grasping with, which his staff clearly yells at him about. His staff has brought it up to him and he ventures in all of his rallies, which everyone here knows I have seen all of, he ventures into understanding the finding part and then he zaps back to created because that's where his brain really that's that's his uh, as uh, Michael Pence would call it his lodestar. Now, meanwhile, while he thinks that uh, testing doesn't find cases, it creates cases. He also thinks that people going back to work after losing their job um, creates jobs. The president, and this is totally consistent. This is not only him misunderstanding the case versus finding versus creating equation in COVID. This grown man not only believes that 30 million people lose their jobs, 11 million people go back to work. He should get credit for not just Getting those people back to work, which is what as a politician you would use as leverage and you'd go, hey, we're getting a third of them back already. Instead of saying that, what he says is we have created, created, he uses this repeatedly. He said it in the debate. He says it in every single round, created 11 million jobs, meaning that if you if you take the man at his word, the only way he will be able to achieve the growth that he projects in his administration over the next four years is to have three more pandemics. Because according to him, having a pandemic and losing 200,000 plus people and everyone sheltering in place um, is the is the th- the very thing that gives him credit for the quote creation of eleven million jobs before the uh, before COVID hit us and before we had a lockdown and before it ramped up and we really got you know a, a real grip on how awful it was. The nation entered a recession in February, one that would have been felt without. Uh, any help from any disease anywhere and without stimulus from the Congress, which would have been highly unlikely in any major way, we would have bumped through a softer recession, certainly not the banking crash version that we had before, but a solid recession that would have started and, and probably pounded us for about two years. And any, any situation where the Dems in the house would have passed something, the Republicans would have shot it down. Any recovery that we're having in this is only because the Democrats doubled what uh, they, the Trump and, and the Republicans had asked for in an initial stimulus, doubled it, and it still isn't enough. Donald Trump is looking at uh, 11 million people going back to work to the jobs they already had, many of which are dangerous during the time of COVID. And he is taking credit, not just for them going back to work, 
but for their jobs existing at all. There, uh, oftentimes, I mean, he says extraordinary and ridiculous things and braggadocious things all the time. But that single thought shows a gap in understanding of reality that answers the question, how do you bankrupt a casino? That, that alone, that piece... Um, gives you such an insight into this man's both need for acceptance and complete misunderstanding of of any kind of baseline economics. I mean, think of he he often does this thing with Hunter Biden and what Hunter Biden knew as an as the manager of of among many at an investment group. Or I think there are four main guys. He will often at his rallies point to a child and say, what do you know about energy? And the kid will shake their head um, and he goes, you know more about energy than Hunter Biden does. That's the it's a laugh. It's a joke. He's been he's been working that piece of material for a while now. And it's you know, it falls flat, but it it qualifies to his reporters as a joke. You know what I mean? In the in the kind of in the open mic that we as a nation are paying for right now, as Donald Trump blasts across the country, trying to patch holes in all the places that he won in 2016. And and I have no doubt the same people that liked him will show up again and the crowds were large then and they will be large now. They will not be filled with anybody who didn't vote for him last time. And that is his struggle. Um, but that's the running gag that he uses. And meanwhile, in this joking, uh, Hunter Biden doesn't know anything about energy, which I would say citation needed. And I would argue that anybody knows um, we have to take a break. But uh, what do you know? Extraction, processing tr- and and delivery, transportation. Those are the primary areas. You got Three stages in each of difficulty. What's your three main problems? What's your three uh, pluses on each one? That are, what's the easy part? What's the hard part? You do a six-point chart on each of these segments. You, as, as an investment manager, make sure that when you invest your money, they're not using the, the things that are good to throw money at them because you know you're, they're misspending your investors' money if they put them towards things that are an easy part. They should just be able to fix that. The hard part, they you recognize that they either have to have progress in that or they are not spending your investors' money wisely. With that, you know, 18-point chart across three sectors, there you go. There, now, congratulations, you're an investment manager dealing with any, any major industry right away. I mean, you'll learn the rest as you go along, but you can, you can whiteboard that in an afternoon. So anyways, we've got to take a break. We'll come back right after this. The president is now saying that Joe Biden's dark vision of a horrible winter is uh, is because he's a, a pe- he is pessimist, which I think is a character in Festivus. But he is what he meant to say was he's pessimistic. Um, and and um, and yet it is the president himself that if he had simply said, we're, we're looking, we're finding the people who are infected, and we are tracking and tracing that. If he just grasped that idea, articulated it well, he would remove 10% of the conversation about it because he would remove 10% of the worry point that the president of the United States is a, is a doofus. We'll be back. This is Doris Davenport, host of the Doris Davenport Show, all local, all the time. Now let's get back to Hal Sparks radio program, Mega Worldwide. Welcome back. So the president tweeted, he he voted this morning in person, which, by the way, if you'll recall, was one of my um, um, call outs, I will just say, um, a couple of months ago when he was continuing to say he votes by mail because... He's in the White House and he lives in Florida, which he doesn't live in Florida. He uh, has a residency 
allegedly at Mar-a-Lago now that he has never spent a night in. Um, but I guess, I mean, at this point, why do we even care? Mike Pence is still voting from the governor's mansion of Indiana. That's right. Uh, Mike Pence is registered to vote in the governor's mansion in Indiana. Not his, not his actual house. His, I, I suppose uh, as vice president, he would have uh, an actual house in his home state. It's, I mean, crazy. Uh, when you become governor, are you so confident as governor that you'll get reelected, that you sell your house and no longer have a place uh, like that you pay rent on, considering you don't pay rent when you live in the governor's mansion? Uh, so he did, I guess he doesn't maintain his address. Eh. Anyways, um, Trump went in and he uh, voted this morning in person. <clears throat> And he had said, I vote by mail and absentee voting is fine. But all this unsolicited mail in voting is wrong and dangerous and fraud, fraud, fraud. And my question was, he goes, I vote for mail. I always vote by mail. We always vote by mail. And my question was, why? You have access to Air Force One. You're campaigning in Florida anyways. There's plenty of early voting time. Why don't you vote in person? They'll clear a lane for you. You're the president of the United States. You're going to, I mean, at what point do you, do you have an issue at all? Do you think you're really going to have, and he even went on, opined yesterday about standing in line and I like voting. I actually like voting. So the actual part is the giveaway word in that sentence. When he says, I actually like that. It means I've never tried it. I've never done that. I'm rich and I've never, you know, well, on my father's money. And so I've never actually had to put up with the things you put up with. I like standing. I actually like standing in line at Starbucks. That's basically what he's saying, which is ridiculous. And that's the kind of thing you say when you always have an assistant, go get you your Starbucks. That's that, that would, I've met people like that. They're no fun. Anyways. So, uh, he, he apparently, um, realized uh, from, I don't know, some people bringing it up repeatedly and it cascading across the internet, that it's essentially ridiculous that he is uh, voted that he was voting by mail when he's in Florida in the last few weeks of this election, running like mad to secure that state. And there's a lot of reasons behind that, whether or not he, it, like, he wins the election. And I think he's all in on Florida for a secondary reason to the election itself. Will yeah, his three speeches there today. He did two yet. He was there yesterday. He did three. He's basically going to little places all over the state and staying at Mar-a-Lago. But he uh, he went in and voted this morning. And after voting, he tweeted: "The fake news is talking about cases, cases, cases. This includes many low-risk people." Media is doing everything possible to create fear prior to November 3rd. The cases are up because testing is way up. By far the most and best in the world. Mortality rate is down 85% plus. Um, Let's deal with the primary lie in that, which is the number of cases are not up simply because testing is up. Now, when you start testing more, will you find more cases that exist that are there? Sure. But it is the ratio of of positive to negative that shows you the the growth rate of the disease in the area. And this is something that the president of the United States fundamentally cannot understand. In the next segment, I'll talk about another thing he he has a brain hitch about. He has several of these, but this is the one. This is the. I mean, there are several of these that endanger lives and the entirety of the economy because he doesn't get it. He can't. And I don't mean he's just you know, like I think there was a video in 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 Dave after uh, after Dave has replaced the president. And he's changing all these programs. And one of the senators, it's a real senator. I can't remember. I think it might have even been Leahy or somebody who goes, I don't know what the guy's, he's guys out to lunch. And he's talking about, because he's not actually the president, he's been replaced by a double. And the double is trying to do nice things. And he's like, I don't know what the hell's going on. Um, there's a, you know, it's sort of a joking guys out to lunch. He's nuts. There is a, a genuine brain hitch in this, in that, 
And this is very crucial when you are trying to stop the spread of a disease uh, that is that is killing uh, has killed 225,000 citizens plus, by the way, we are undercounting. Make no mistake. 225,000 people are dead because of this. And you are heading into the winter and you want everybody to open up to the level where it continue. It broadens its spread over the spread already caused by, you know, limited by lockdown and masking. You want to blow that off, move past that, which makes the number that we've seen this year double by next year. And I don't mean to 500,000. I mean to 750,000 dead by the spring. If you if you go from 15 cases to 225,000 dead with a, a borderline complete lockdown in April, slowly opening in May and dragging this out, and then it starts to spike up again and, and, and the death rate levels off and you kind of don't care. If you're operating with 7 million cases in the country, which, by the way, not all of those are active. Once you find them, too, here's the great thing about finding a case when someone's mild symptomatic or asymptomatic. You have tested positive. Go home and don't talk to anybody for two weeks. And then guess what? You're not in general. We can assume you're not going to be carrying it to other people. You'll continue to test negative, except for the extraordinary cases, which no one can be expected to live within that kind of statistical bubble. Um, you can go back out and you know full well if you're asymptomatic or mild symptomatic. Here's what the problem. Here's the problem with the president of the United States understanding of the expansion of testing and the concern of rise of cases <clears throat> is that as you test, if you have the disease under control, the number of positives goes down. The spread's being contained. Not that many people have it. You go into a place and you go, we test 100 people, 20 people come back positive. Um, we need to tell everybody in the community to shelter in place, lock down until we can get it below 10%. So you do that and it works and it limits the spread of those 10 people that are spreading the disease around um, are as long as they stay in for a few weeks They'll arc through the illness, but two or three of them decide to go out and say they feel fine because they don't really have any symptoms or they watch something on the Internet that says, I don't believe it. And they don't even realize or they or they're the part that wasn't found that is in the positive group. They go out and give it to somebody else and then you you lose control of it again. And then the positive rate, which you had below 10, starts to arc up into the 20s. And again, of that of those 20, you're going to lose two to four of those people. And six of those people very well could clog up your emergency rooms. And if you have a bus crash and, uh, and like in The Fugitive and a bunch of kids need medical attention, there's no ICU beds. There's no ventilators. There's no cardiac machines. There's there's no PPE for the people to interact with the people who have COVID and and clean themselves up before they go interact with the people who don't have COVID who are in the bus accident. This show is raging by today because there are so many details. Uh, we'll be back right after this. You're listening to the House Sparks Radio program Mega Worldwide on WCPT Radio, Chicago's Progressive Talk. I stream it on all my sites, you know, twitch.tv slash HalSparks, HalSparks.live, Periscope, Facebook, my, my page on Facebook, um, and it will be, um, you know, you can go do that or you can just listen to us on the radio. It's a great way to help. Anyways, buy some stuff from the sponsors. That helps too. We'll be back. Did you know that a large percentage of the face masks sold on the market today are fraudulent? Many of them claim to have levels of filtration they don't meet, or worse, have literally no filtration at all. A very small number of manufacturers have respirator face mask models that are tested in the U.S. by the NPPTL and authorized by the FDA. Buying a mask model that has been FDA authorized is the best way to ensure you and your family are getting true respirator masks. These masks filter to greater than 95% efficiency, and they can be reworn, making them a perfect choice, as wearing masks is one of the key things we can do to keep ourselves and our neighbors safe. 
Right now, the New Deal Shop has FDA-authorized KN95 respirator masks with the anti-fake stickers on every single package. These respirator masks are in stock in the U.S. and ship immediately for free for our listeners by adding the code SEXYLIBERAL. You can even get 10% off the clean phone UV sanitizer for just buying these FDA-authorized masks. Go to thenewdealshop.com and now get verified, authenticated, FDA-authorized KN95 masks shipped immediately to your home or business. That's thenewdealshop.com, thenewdealshop.com, code SEXYLIBERAL. This is Tom Harvin, and you're listening to the Hal Sparks Radio Program, Mega Worldwide. Welcome back to the show. So tonight, Sexy Liberal 5 is on. Go to sexyliberal.com for tickets. It is uh, uh, Stephanie Miller, John Fugelsang, Frangela, myself. Um, we all uh, have, have just thrown everything into it this week. Um, we are... Um, we do this show, you know, we've been touring as the sexy liberal comedy tour. You know, we did it, uh, in, you know, in 2016 and, and the lead up, uh, you know, I'm just saying it was the, it was the biggest comedy tour of the year, uh, when we went out, but, um, we decided, um, by, I don't know which one of us was goading everyone else to do it. I, I, I have a hard time remembering who it was that was on everybody to go back out because we thought it was important. Uh, I don't know. He's, He's a nice guy. I don't remember his name. Long hair, uh, diminutive, um, good singing voice. Anyways, he pushed us all um, internally in some cases to go back out um, because the election's so important this time and really start motivating voters again. So we started up. We started doing some shows. And uh, right after the Seattle show, we had to shut it down. And, uh, you know, we had the greatest comedy tour ever. And, you know, look at the numbers. And we had to shut it down and now we're opening it back up again. Well, we're doing it safely by doing it digitally. Um, and you can go on your computer and watch a comedy show tomorrow night. Um, the sexy liberal comedy tour and it just go to sexyliberal.com. Tickets are obviously still available simply because you can't sell out the interwebs. There's always room. <laughs> yes, it does rhyme. Uh, Black rich, rich in our chat room. It does rhyme with pal shark. It does. The person who was trying to get the rest of the sexy liberals to get back on the road again. That, that Yes, the person who brought it up. Um, so those t- the show is tonight. We have a cocktail hour where you can hang out with us and, and mingle where it randomly sets up this thing where you can talk to us. And you kind of it's like a big roulette wheel. And then suddenly we get to talk to each other for five minutes uh, each and you get to go through the crowd. It's really fun for us and it's great interaction and you can interact with the other people who are watching the show. It's kind of like, uh, you know, uh, well, I, I was about to say chat roulette, but that has kind of a bad connotation. Everyone, no one, um, no one tube in this one. Okay. To all the sexy liberals, no tubing. And, uh, and then after the show, we have the uh, meet and group, the meet and group that we normally have. We have it digitally and then um, that one's sold out. But tomorrow there are I think there's still room in the hangover brunch, which is what the extension we added because we sold out the meet and greet at, after the show. So um, tickets are $15 for the show. And then uh, I think it's $35 if you want to do the meet and grope um, or the hangover brunch. And then uh, it's live tonight. We'll be watching it. And to everybody who's already got tickets. Thank you guys so much. Um, it's going to be exciting. I'm looking forward to seeing everybody's pieces. We don't get to put our pieces together and watch them beforehand, you know? So, um, it's, you know, some of the stuff we do interactive between all of us as a cast, we of course get to see that, but we don't get to watch the individual pieces that each, but that everybody's throwing in there. So I'm excited to show everybody my stuff. I'm excited to see what they put in. It's, it's a good time. So, Tonight, sexyliberal.com. Get your tickets. Vote with your money. um, Support us so that we can wag how successful it is in their faces. There you go. That's that's a good note. That's a solid pitch. Okay. So um, today, um, Biden is in Pennsylvania. They know that um, this is of the there are three states that Donald Trump, for those of you that are Karnacki fans, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. But there are three states that Donald Trump won last time and got all of the electoral votes from 
by winning by a per, less than a percentage point. So not only was his win in those individual states nothing to crow about, it was basically evenly divided, which is something to be aware of when you're running on either side, is that oftentimes if you win by, you know, there is a mistake in electoral politics, I think, for a lot of people, which is about uh, largely rooted in um, celebrating the, the campaign and the people who got you there when you throw a party that makes winning an election like winning a foot race. Like even if you win in the Olympics, if you win by a fraction of a second, you won. There's a huge drop off from gold to silver in that situation. And in an election, you still have to govern on behalf of the other group, whether you like it or not, especially if you want to keep your job, if you eventually want to grow past that, you know, 50.8% or 47.3% to 47.7%. Uh, thank, thank you, Drilithi. It's my periodic message thanking Halford Service. Well, thank you. I'm glad to be here and I'm glad um, to, to, I guess, speak in a way uh, on a lot of these things that I just don't see the same perspective being expressed in a lot of places. And that's, uh, you know, if you got, if you got something valuable to add, go out in public and talk about it, or, you know, within reason, wear a mask, wash your hands. Anyway, so point I'm trying to make is that when you win in a foot race, you won, you got the gold mantle, you got the trophy, it sits on your shelf, nobody argues with it. But in an election, when you win, What you win is a job. You get hired to do the job, warts and all. Now, this is not how Donald Trump views it, of course. Um, This is not how he views anything in life. And the, you know, the fact that he was a game show host for The Apprentice, um, he views as him being a television star instead of a game show host. Um, that had, you know, percentage ratings lower than match game or, um, I mean, by, by his estimation, um, anybody who's hosted the, the either Family Feud or The Price is Right should be king of the world. But anyways, this, this idea that once you win, you just won and your side won which would be true if you have a landslide victory. There's an argument that Reagan made, even though part of why he won as broad as he did was the great lie that he did something about, you know, he was, he was, he was going to be able to do something about the Iran hostages, hostages that, um, that Carter could not. We learned later, of course, that he, the way he did this is by selling arms to them, but it got him elected and it got him elected by a lot. Right. That's the, you know, he won by a chunk, big electoral vote advantage, a decent popular vote. You know, there was a mandate there in a way that there was not under Donald Trump by any stretch of the imagine of the imagination. And even if Hillary had eked out a similar winning, she wouldn't there wouldn't be a mandate there. And that's largely due to people who uh, either lazy non-voters or people who are frustrated with the process or don't believe because they live in a state that goes a, a certain way every time that their vote counts or won't count. Which it does. And after the next break, I will give you my rant on why if you live in a red state and you vote blue or if you live in a blue state and you vote red, why your vote matters as much or more than the other votes why you actually have an edge in the value of your vote, why it actually causes shifts in the body politic more than the steady votes. But in the meantime, um, Donald Trump is uh, going around the country. He's going, he's got three rallies today. Biden's in Pennsylvania. Um, And I'm going to play a small clip right now. Um, And this is this Biden's live in Bucks County, Pennsylvania. But this is the person that Donald Trump is running on calling Sleepy Joe. Well, remember what Donald Trump said when COVID-19 deaths reached 200,000 in America? He said, if you look at the blue states, with Democratic governors, and just look at the red states with Republican governors, we're doing well. Well, first of all, it's not true. 
The great rise has happened in most of the red states. But that's not the point. Think of what he's saying about what's going on in America. He's saying, if you live in Pennsylvania, you're not his problem. If you live in a red state, Alabama, he may think about you. He's not responsible for your family's well-being if you're in a blue state. Folks, I don't see the president that way. I don't see it that way. I don't see America that way. I'm running as a proud Democrat, but I will govern as an American president for everybody. Um, Just for those of you listening at home, Joe Biden is not standing in an intersection giving a speech. Um, They are doing these car rallies so people can sit in their car safely and go home and not die so they can live long enough to not only vote, but enjoy the fruits of of the party of their choice actually getting in office and doing some good things for their lives. Um, we got to take a break. We'll be back right after this. Uh, um, vote. Vote early. Vote. Go to vote.org or uh, iwillvote.com. Find out. Make sure your registration is is locked. Find out where your polling place is. If, you know, if, if there's a method in your state for people to be able to track their ballots, you'll find out that on those sites as well. Vote.org or IWillVote.com. Pick your poison. But vote. And when we come back, I'm going to explain to you why, non-voters, your vote matters more in the election cycle than you think it does. We'll be back. This is Damian Perdue of Think Theory Radio, Saturdays at 6 p.m. You're listening to Hal Sparks Radio Program, Mega Worldwide. Welcome back. So the president of the United States is voting for probably the second time in his life. And I, I mean that honestly. Um, Donald Trump is not a consistent voter, never has been. He votes with his uh, PR, I suppose. He votes with his interviews. And today he voted in person in Florida and there um, he he did it in a public library um, in the area in the district that he's in. And uh, he looks visibly confused by the books in the space that he's in. Um, uh, He's wearing a uh, like a pink chiffon tie with stripes on it, not a blazing red for one. This is his voting tie, I suppose. Saturday, you, you dialed back the red, you know, um, or you let Ivanka pick the tie or something like that. Anyways, here he is. Uh, I have not heard this. So uh, be ready on the dump button. It is the president of the United States. He might say something that violates the FCC. But um, the, this is the president. Um, he just voted. No, not much. It was a very secure. Some, by the way, someone just asked him um, here. I will do it from the top. Any any complications in there is what the person said. No, not much. It was a very secure vote, much more secure than when you send in a ballot. I can tell you that Uh, everything was perfect, very strict, right by the rules. When you send in your ballot, could never be like that. Could never be secure like that. Wow. It could never be. so, So basically every military vote that we've had is, I, I mean, we have to just assume there was criminality involved. It could never be as secure as walking into a Florida library and voting. Um, that's just an embarrassment. They've done a fantastic job over here. Great people inside. So, uh, but it's an honor to be voting. It's an honor to be in this great area, which I know so well. Yeah, because you have a golf course there. You don't live there. And we're going to make three uh, stops today. Big ones, big rallies, three big ones. Uh, Crowds have never been. I don't think there's ever been anything like this. This tremendous spirit. Yeah. Wait wait till the the spirit infusion that comes from being on a ventilator. Yeah, we're doing very well in Florida and we're doing very well. I hear every every place else. So thank you very much. And you're going to be very busy today because we're going to work you hard. Uh, I voted for a guy named Trump. <laughs> Thank you very much, everybody. So that was that, that was a, a, a round of applause uh, that he got from Mark Meadows and a couple other people there when he said he voted for a guy named Trump. Now, um, 
I don't know how, and somebody might have to check on this, how Eric Trump got on the ballot indeed, but, um, but I thought that was a nice gesture on his dad's part. Um, this, yes, he's in a, a library in the district that Mar-a-Lago is in where there's doing the, um, the vote and where they're doing the, the voting. So um, this in and of itself is a publicity stunt that the president has put forward. Now, understand that Florida has a lot of seniors, many seniors, by the way, who vote by mail because they can't walk or the district that they're in doesn't have enough voting machines. So for them to stand for hours in a in a line to vote, by the way, in the richest country in the world. Um, is impossible. And therefore, and by the way, he wouldn't have done it either. Let's be abundantly clear. The only reason that Donald Trump is voting this time and indeed last time is because if he did last time, um, if they didn't just make a show of it this time, I'm certain that he actually filled out a ballot. Um, that the only reason why he, he's there is because they cleared away for him Security opened it up. He never stood in line. He walked right to the front of the line. This is, on a voting level, the exact same experience he had with COVID-19. Now, um, before I get too distracted on the fact that this, uh, that he's getting, that his, both getting government health care and getting pushed to the front of the line voting gives him an experience that most Americans don't have. And that while he's already had COVID and uh, allegedly and gotten uh, treatment from Walter Reed for it, allegedly, and come out the other side, fine, allegedly. Um, I'm messing around, but I'm fairly certain he had it. Um, I think he's a long hauler, but that's another conversation. Um, I want to I want to talk to the the voters who don't normally vote, the people who are on the fence. And there are a tremendous number. Now, the, the Republican side of this. I'm speaking softly to you. Uh, um, You know, I know some of you may be holding out. You vote regularly, but you're you can't bring yourself to vote for a Democrat. So you're just not going to vote for him. That I I get that. I'm I'm not talking about. I'm talking about the habitual non-voters that believe in the majority of the things that they say they believe in that align with the Democratic platform. Which they if they would take a look at. I would advise everyone who is fuzzy about whether they're going to vote within the sound of my voice. And uh, there are fewer of those people than there have been in a long time. But there are also in the um, undecided voters. I'm not talking about that because those are people who are planning to vote. They just haven't made up their mind. I'm talking to the people who don't vote specifically for the reason that, well, my state is always goes red and it really wouldn't make a difference. Or my state always goes blue and it really wouldn't make a difference. I'm talking to both of you guys equally. If you can hear my voice, listen up. The standard voters are people who are engaged and involved, and they are a trackable group of people. And there's a little bit of give either way during the election that they speak to. But the in the states where it goes blue solidly, but there are red people or whatever. But I'm, I'm, I'm really honestly, to be completely frank, I'm talking to the, the blue voters in red states or in red districts, um, you not only is uh, voting the, the primary right, the pri- beyond free speech, free association, and redress of grievances, and press, and religion, um, and protest, um, there, you know, the primary right to vote is the principle on which all of the soldiers uh, and and spies and frontiers people and uh, frontline healthcare workers have died protecting more than any other thing. They have de- they have died to protect your right to choose your leaders through pre- a peaceful process, voting. Because ultimately, free speech and all those other things fall by the wayside. If you can't pick who's in charge, if they can start picking, who, if we had an appointed leader or a monarchy, then none of those those things can be scuttled in a second. It is the ability of you to pick your leader is the primary right. So if you have any respect at all for those that have died so that the Constitution of this country would exist and that um, the things like the Civil Rights Act would occur over time in this country, if you have any respect for 
the, you know, the, the voting rights act or the civil rights act or gay marriage or all the things that happen through a legislative push. If you want or you care about any of those things, then every two years you get off your duff and you go prove it. You prove that those things matter to you. I, yelling on the Internet is not enough. There's there's a certain level where you got to stop screaming and grab the wheel. And in this particular situation, um, when you're in a state that goes the other way, there is a there is a laziness factor and a drawback factor that is a, a statistically it, it statistically is such a high number that if all the people who don't vote because they think their state goes one way were sitting in an auditorium and didn't know it, they'd all been called like they got free tickets to a show. You start handing out free tickets to show the people who have expressed in the past, I'd vote, but, you know, my state's a red state. It won't matter. If you got all those people into an auditorium or indeed several auditoriums, because it is in the millions. um, And and you said, hi, welcome to, uh, you know, this night of it's a a celebration of voting. And they'd all go, oh, you go, you're chosen. You are in this audience tonight because you believe that your state leans one way and it won't go the other way. And we're here to tell you that everyone in this room uh, votes the the way it would vote the way you would and thinks the same thing. If uh, now look around at the volume of people and tell me that the margin of 20,000 votes or whatever that didn't vote last time or you know the 20,000 votes that whoever won last time wouldn't be overwhelmed by the volume of people in this room in this place that if those i mean that's essentially what Trump is doing with his Florida rallies he's trying to bring out the non-voter in Florida again drive up that 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 number but the problem is you can only do that they, those people need personal service because a lot of them are either egomaniacs narcissists fools or are you know, or have to be a sycophant of someone to actually be motivated to vote on the, on the blue side of the spectrum. A lot of people are just, you know, have a twinge of progressive, have a twinge of, of, you know, Ooh, the fed or, you know, or wall street or the, the establishment phrase comes to mind a lot. And by this, by sitting it out, they give their state to the, to the other side and let them have at our laws and the protective structures that we have in our country. And they, and that's how we get Amy Coney Barrett. That's how we get the scuttling of the payroll tax that will eventually destroy Social Security. That's how we get uh, the destruction of the ACA and no plan to follow up. And ultimately, the destruction of our voting rights in general. There's enough of out there who think, I don't vote because it really doesn't change anything. But if you, st- if you st- did it every time would fundamentally change the structure of your state in a positive sense. It would raise the mandate of your party or lower the mandate of the other party. We'll be back right after this. It's the House Parks Radio Program, Mega Worldwide on WCPT Radio, Chicago's Progressive Talk. Welcome back to the House Sparks Radio Program, Mega Worldwide. It's now time for the happy ending. Yay! That's right. We- Yay! We've got two more calls, and then I, I will present a, an actual happy ending. Um, wh- who do we have first? Dylan, we have Heather from Texas. Excellent, Heather from Texas, which will go blue by God. Hey, if everybody, who, if every blue voter in Texas voted, it would be a blue state. Period. End of story. Yes. Yep. Yes, but go I'm ahead. Sorry. Welcome. I have a, I, thank you. I, I, you don't know this, but you you know me because like um, you've answered some questions on a mutual friends podcast for me. But uh, uh, oh, gotcha. I'm sorry. I'm, uh, I'm sorry. I'm, uh, I have so much to say right now that I can't even think. Okay, so understood. The irony is irony here. Okay, mm-hmm. and, I, and I have a, a, a favor to ask of you and a question at the end. Um, okay. First of all. I grew up in Delaware. Uh, the ironies, I am living in Texas because... Real radio. Sorry. That's okay. It's a, if people get into podcasting habits, it happens. No worries. 
Okay, sorry. Uh, call back then uh, next week, please. I'm sorry we have to drop you. If, if, like, if you swear on the air, they can't. And apparently, Chicago can't keep you on at all. I'm sorry. Um, feel free to join me on the regular stream in the chat room, and we'll relay everything you were going to say. Uh, let's grab our last caller, and then I'll do the happy ending. Hey, uh, it's David from Miami. Excellent. Hey, David. Are you there? Do we hear you? Bobcat from still... Burglar. Oh, sorry. Okay, say that again. Cause it, it... All right. So greetings, time changer. Are you Trump as Bobcat from the movie Burglar? Right. 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 Hi, ladies. Um, 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 what are you doing when you're not driving young guys wild? Right, that guy. <laughs> That's the one. Have you seen the keys to my BMW laying around here? Right. So uh, please go ahead, or I will do that the whole time. Go ahead. (laughs) I I, I look forward to it. Um, That's why I made sure to type this out. I wish I was teaching social studies like Ben Stein in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I wish I was teaching Mm -hmm. history like Ben Kinison in Back to School. And I doubt Trump has seen either guilty pleasure. My question is... Will the Kushners take off their masks to reveal they're really Michael T. Weiss and Andrea Parker from The Pretender, but they're just part of a four-year deep cover scam to expose not just Trump, but all of his you know, puppet masters? Because nothing right. else makes sense. All the Sudan, UAE stuff, what is going on? Oh, it's, a, it's an arms deal. So here's what's happening. This is, I mean, it's, it's really simple. One of the reasons why um, the, you know, previous administrations have not had deals like this is because what they entail is us giving F-35s, missiles, tanks, um, uh, it, um, uh, countermeasures for boats, you know, for, for ships, that, you know, to put in the waterways, basically giant, massive weapons of war to, comp- to countries that have, up until yesterday afternoon, um, wanted Israel wiped off the map. And who very well, in a single turn in a day, could decide they want to do it again. And so our, you know, cooler heads have prevailed like, yeah, we could pay these people not to bomb Israel. Um, but that's nuts. That's a protection racket. And we could sure, sure, we could sell them F-35s and the like. But how long... Is it until those weapons are used on our own soldiers end up in the hands of the Iranians and and their allies or end up striking Israel? So that's a non-starter. What the Trump administration has done through Jared Kushner is. Yeah, we're selling them weapons. Right. Well, no, no, they can. We once we sell you that stuff, we train you on how to use it. Understand this. When the United States or any other major country sells military gear to stuff, there's a program that goes along with it that trains your people on how to use it. So you don't because you don't we want you to buy more of that stuff. So we don't want you blowing up your own people by putting the, the, you know, the, the, the shell in the can in the wrong direction and killing yourself. So. We send over training people to do that long term. So we're going to be training their pilots in the in the use of the F-35 for the next five years. And in five years, if Donald Trump won another term and stuck around in there and then he loses and things start to shift and, and people start dealing with Israel in a more balanced essence. And these guys who make their entire living off of oil and war decide, well, this peace sucks. So how about the Sudan, UAE, Bahrain, and any of the other countries in it? We all have the same weapons, right? Cool. Let's do a coordinated strike on Israel. They're done. That, that's why previous administrations haven't done this deal before, because it's nuts. What's it makes no sense. Well, hopefully, yeah, well, no, hopefully, yeah, hopefully not. Uh, you know, hopefully they don't do that. The only upside to this is the part where, 
It has nothing to do with Middle East peace anymore because the oil countries down there are running out of money. We are, we are, a, a, the world is awash in oil. It doesn't have the value it used to. And these countries are eventually going to have to uh, interact with the rest of the countries in the world from a non-resource-based economy, which will sh- fundamentally oil, shift oil, not oil, only oil. the... Yeah, it, it, once oil is worthless, then they have to act like a country that sells beer and goods and rugs and and dates and whatever their local wares are like every other, you know, Belgian waffles, whatever your country comes up with that's unique to the world. Um, you got to start interacting with the rest of the world in a, you know, you can't, we can't all be soup Nazis. You can't say, well, you want my soup so I can treat you however I want you. I want to because I can't, I, you know, I'll always get away with it. Once that shifts, once we get away from the oil economy, Worldwide peace gets a lot more normal because a lot of the wars that have been fought over time are either land for farming or resource based. And over the last, you know, since mid-century, uh, you know, last century, it's really been about where's the where's the fuel of the new economy going to come from? And now that's dying. Now you can create your own. Years war. Yeah. Yeah, that's I mean, that's that's precisely it. You got to you want to feed your people. You want your people to be able to be ahead of the economy and not end up being the slave ship for the other countries. You got you got to be the first ones to the well. And the Saudis were the first ones to the well. And the Texans were the first ones to the well. And and that that's what we've all been fighting about. You get out of oil, you phase out fossil fuels the 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 wars themselves fade away because the resource uh, is is unnecessary, and then it'll be about production. You have wars based on production. There's no there's no reason to blow up your country if you're the factory. There's a reason to blow up your country if it's just sitting on top of the stuff they want. That's that's it. So I appreciate the call. Thanks very much. That the 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 understand this. The Sudan, Bahrain, UAE deals are arms sales with a temporary ceasefire, uh, you know, basically around them as far as recognizing not they're not recognizing Israel as a country in in any of these formal agreements. They do not recognize Israel. They are normalizing diplomatic relations, which means I don't think you deserve to exist. But while the cops standing there. I'll stop punching you. That, that's what it is. And as soon as the cop goes away, um, the cop just handed me his gun and his nightstick. Trust me. That's what these are. That's why no other administration has made them, because they aren't insane. Because they aren't run by a power-hungry would-be tyrant and his odd android son-in-law. These deals are ridiculous. And the more countries that come on board and you see the price tag of what it means to have these countries get the weapons they're getting and what that could mean. for We've struck the Iran deal to stop Iran from getting a nuclear agreement. And Trump is saying, we, you know, that deal's almost over, even though it's got six more years on it. That deal's almost over. Well, I got I got news for you. There is no time frame on on Bahrain and all these places, you know, not firing on Israel. The day after the weapons arrive, they can go, you know what? Rip. You tore up the deal with Iran. Why should I honor this one? And now we've got leverage over Israel. Six of these countries will now have you the highest quality U.S. weapons trained by American pilots, trained by the American military, and Israel's on the receiving end. You wonder why Netanyahu didn't... Uh, didn't take a swipe at Biden when Trump asked him to. I, I ran out of time for my happy ending. Here's my happy ending. On Biden's website, joebiden.com slash reopening. Real easy. joebiden.com slash reopening. He has a five-part plan to jumpstart the economy and reopen it. It's it's what the White House has been cribbing from since he put the, the bare bones of it out in, in May. Um, go take a look at it. See you guys next week. Thanks so much. Thanks, Dylan. Thanks, thanks, Devin. You know what I hate? 
when your social media pops up with a summer vacation pic from like five years ago and it's great memories, but then, yeah, when did the wrinkles and the bags around the eyes show up? Delete, delete. Well, not this summer. How about no more pop-up pics with deep wrinkles, fine lines, and bags under the eyes? And I'm not talking about surgery. I'm talking about Plexiderm. Plexiderm is a clinically studied serum that visibly eliminates your wrinkles, crow's feet, and under-eye bags, all in the comfort of your home in minutes. Plexiderm goes on clear, lasts for hours, so nobody will know your secret. I tried it, and I look like me, just younger, healthier, better rested. The results will blow you away. Get Plexiderm and love how you look and feel this summer in the mirror and in photos. Go to tryplexiderm.com and use the code VOICES for half off a full-size bottle of Plexiderm plus an additional $10 off. Or try a $14.95 trial pack today by calling 1-800-685-1292 and mention code VOICES. Again, visit tryplexiderm.com and use code VOICES for half off a full-size bottle plus an additional $10 off or a $14.95 trial pack when you use code VOICES.